everybody and welcome back to Code Patrol, the podcast that sees the world of cybersecurity through code colored glasses. I'm your host, Lisa Vaz, Senior Content Marketing Manager at Contrast Security and a veteran cybersecurity reporter. Today we're honoring International Women's Day, which falls on Wednesday, March 8th. This year's campaign theme is Embrace Equity. So, diversity, equity. Let's talk about that. As it is, Cybersecurity Ventures reports that women make up only 25% of the global cybersecurity workforce as of 2021. That same workforce reportedly falls short by three and a half million workers, give or take a few million here or there. It seems like we could solve the problem by hiring more women into the industry, but our guests today don't think the math is quite that simple. Our guests are two cybersecurity professionals. We've got Naomi Buck-Walter, Director of Product Security at Contrast, who's also the founder and executive director of the Cybersecurity Gatebreakers Foundation. That's uh, created to change the mindset of hiring managers and cybersecurity leaders. Our other guest is Megan Baker. Our other guest is Megan Baker, IT and security lead at Georgian, the fintech behind a platform designed to identify and accelerate the best growth stage software companies. They're here to tell us how and why they got into cybersecurity and to give advice on how other women can follow the same path. Naomi, Megan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lisa. It's wonderful to be here. Thank Thank you. Great to have you. Well, now, I want to ask you guys, now you're in cybersecurity. I'm sure this is the best jobs you've ever had. If not, you're not doing things right because you're going down instead of up. But tell me, what's the worst job you ever had? Like, I'm, I'm thinking barista, fry cook, chambermaid, help desk, whatever. And, and why? I want to know what is the worst job and what did it teach you and how does it relate to cybersecurity? Who wants to go first? Oh gosh, I'm happy to go first. Okay. This is Naomi. I would say my worst job, even though it was one of probably a gross job, I did learn something. So I'll start with what the job was. I was a lifeguard, one of my first jobs ever. And as you know, and sometimes this happens, bodily functions don't normally cooperate when someone is swimming, especially younger children. So I was on cleanup duty as a lifeguard. And it entails diving under the water with sterile gloves in hand to scoop up the poop. So that was me. I was the pooper scooper in the water. And it is exactly as gross as you think it is. So I think in terms of learning something, you know, no job is too gross for anyone, especially someone just starting in the workforce. And I realized that you have to stay humble and hungry if you ever want to get anywhere in life. And that is very true, especially if you're scooping up poop at the bottom of a pool. Oh my God, you're just giving me these a- analogies that are coming to mind, like diving into poop soup is is like, like with code, insecure code. That's kind of like a nasty film that gets onto applications. But thank you, Naomi. What about you, Megan? My mind immediately went to incident response. So I think that we were both thinking the same way. Um, like Naomi, it was your your precursor to incident response was, you know, incident at the pool, incident in... in- <laughs> 
Um, yes, that's right. Not not nearly as messy, and I wasn't a fry cook, but I did have a, a job waiting tables in college. That was it was not quite so ideal. What I learned is that waiting tables at high end restaurants at the beach versus low end restaurants in the city are not the same thing. <laughs> And I I can tell you that I I definitely had an appreciation for time value of money at that job at the in the city. So can't can't say that there's any direct linkage to cybersecurity. It certainly was a, a people skills builder as any job in public service would be, but keeping your cool when people are being grumpy and demanding drinks and giving you nightmares about forgetting table 10's drinks. That's what comes to my mind. (laughs) Well, okay. So you're both now well past those interesting stages of your careers. So when did you get interested in STEM possibilities for a career? When did that first occur to you and why? Naomi, let's start with you again. Oh, oh, thank you. Well, I've always been interested in technology ever since I was very, very young. And gratefully, my parents always supported me in those endeavors. Never really saw me without a Game Boy or some sort of tech in my hands, even as a young child. So from there, I just naturally went into engineering in college, got a job as a developer right after, after college, moved into an, a big IT shop, stayed there for about 15 years. But within that company, I was given a chance to start in security. So my first security job was in application security. And that's actually where I met David Linder and Jeff Williams, a few of the guys from Aspect, Arshan. And that's my tie-in back to contrast, actually. Oh, that's great. It's it's sort of like a direct route into cybersecurity from playing with blocks. A little bit, yeah. I would say it's a traditional route for sure. Yeah, cool, cool. How about you, Megan? I was always interested in science and math from a super early age, but technology and engineering didn't didn't come into play until much later in the game. I actually was an accounting major and out of school took an auditing job, then turned risk management and then security. So it was the the less traditional path, but certainly a related one nonetheless. So it sounds like you're both problem solvers and you're never frightened of technology solving puzzles. I was going to ask, you know, if anybody got you interested, like a teacher or a friend, I think that happens with a lot of women, you know, they see a role model, but it sounds more like you guys are role models yourselves. But why don't you tell me about who've been your your best role models or mentors? Megan, let's start with you. Sure. I actually am going to give shout outs to to three women that I, I worked with at the company that I was at prior to, to joining my current company, Don Lazzaroni, Heidi, Heidi Rager, and Catherine Briggs. And they were not only all women leaders in a SaaS organization, but they were all moms. They were all heavily involved in community organizations. They just looked to me to kind of do it all and have it all and be all things at once. And I, I've always looked up to them and was so appreciative of their focus on ensuring that work-life balance was a part of their life, which is a, a very delicate thing to try to balance these days. But, and for that matter, my, our, 
my member that we're presenting with today, Naomi, I feel like she has also been an inspiration just in how she has really taken her personal time to encourage other women into the industry and, and certainly something I would I would like to be more of an advocate for. So over to you, Naomi. Oh, thank you, Megan. <laughs> I could say the same for you. you. You're an excellent friend and I consider you one of my mentors also. In terms of just role models, I honestly, I think a good answer here would be I really look for a lesson in almost every interaction of my life. I know it sounds quaint and maybe a little naive, but it was a mindset shift for me. I think when I was a little younger, I used to be a little bit more hard-headed and a little bit more stuck in that fixed mindset, which really just means I think you can't grow. You know, it, back then I was like, once you're, if you're smart, you're always going to be smart. If you're dumb, you're always going to be dumb. And I never thought that that could ever change until recently, maybe about 10 years ago. Oh, once I hit 30, I won't say how exactly old I am, but right when I hit 30, I realized maybe it's okay to be bad at something. Maybe it's okay to fail. Maybe it's okay because that's the best way to learn. And once I realized that a whole world opened up to me and I realized I can learn from anyone and anything as long as I'm open to it. So now I use every interaction, every conversation, every run in with a stranger, every time I fail to do something right the first time I try to use that and learn from it. And then from there, I know I'm just getting better as a human, as a mom, as a, as a wife, as a worker. Again, it does sound a little naive, but the way I, my mind has shifted has really helped me grow as a human. And it's definitely something that I'm super aware of now and try to share with others. That is really awesome. But you know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of different expectations for women in, in, in the industry, as opposed to men. Like differential treatment like oh you're you're just a woman you really you don't know how to do this and so that must be a difficult balancing act to kind of be open to ideas and admitting that you make mistakes and you don't know everything but also you know maybe being treated differently because you're a woman how, what have you experienced with differential treatment Naomi could you could you address yeah, that? Sure. You do mention differential treatment. I I will say I've had those struggles in my career. Megan knows very intimately about them, actually. And it is something that I am aware of. However, even if there is differential treatment, even if I am biased against, I am strong enough mentally and physically and spiritually to withstand those biases and the maltreatment as it were. So even if those things are happening, I am strong enough. And I want to tell this to other women, even if those things are happening, you are strong enough. You are amazing. You are strong. You are beautiful. You are God's loving creature that he put there on this earth. And you are, you have everything within yourself and all these allies and friends who are there to support you and love you to be able to overcome any obstacles that might be in your way. So yes, I have had, and I will say, very poor treatment from different people. It doesn't really matter who and what group they might identify with, but I am also better than that too. And I've learned from those lessons and I am stronger for that. Okay, fair enough. How about you, Megan? I, I very, very fortunately have not been on the receiving end of differential treatment. i I think I've been very lucky to be at organizations that really focused on equitable treatment. But with that being said, I I certainly the you know the first decade of my career was 
spent with a, a family-owned bank in North Carolina. And it was it was absolutely dominated by men. And I think that I kind of similar to what Naomi was saying, I, I almost used it as a motivator for me to, to stand out as one of the few women and to empower other women within the bank to also, you know, ensure there were more of us and that there were more of us striving to be in leadership roles. Mm -hmm. So I think mine is probably more from the experience of being certainly the minority at the table and how to respond to that and handle it so much, not, not so much bias, but certainly being in the lesser, (laughs) lesser of the group. Mm -hmm. Well, tell me, do either of you have opinions on hiring quotas and whether they help or hurt? Oh, Lisa, I have so much to say about this. I'll start with my personal anecdote. I was actually hired because I am a woman. I was hired because I am a woman. And it it might sound like a good thing, but take a think, think about this. I was hired. There was two people in the final rounds. It was me and another man. Turns out they needed a woman because that is what the C-level person said. You must hire a woman. And if I was a final candidate, I was a woman, you know, good chance of me getting it. But that, but it turns out that the team I was hired on, they didn't make that decision. It was made up because the, some C-level person said they needed a woman, this team. So what does that mean? That team didn't think I was qualified, even though I might've been, I was a final candidate, but they, they realized they were like, oh, well, this person was hired because of her immutable qualities, her characteristics. Therefore, we cannot trust her to do difficult things. Maybe she's not good enough, maybe blah, blah, blah. So they made all these assumptions and and biases essentially based off of the fact that I was hired because of my immutable characteristics. It had nothing to do with my merit. I I believe I was fully qualified for the job, but they didn't trust me simply because I was hired because I'm a woman. So it did hurt me. Yes, I will say I did not stay in that job very long. Did you manage to, well, you just answer what I was going to ask, whether you convinced them otherwise, but it sounds like even working there for a while. Uh... I was able to make some headway with some of the folks and I still have friends there, but I would say overall, it was not a great experience in terms of career progression, but I did learn something, which is never take for granted who you might be and who you might work for. You should always try to fight and show people that you deserve to be and have that seat at the table. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and you do a lot of work with this kind of thing with you. Yeah, I would hope so. Yes, I have helped a lot of women, particularly to get jobs in cybersecurity and to help them know their worth and stand up for themselves and also to build allies within other communities too, no matter what gender identity, what have, what have you. The real allies, the true allies don't show off their allyship. They are doing it behind closed doors in quiet one-on-one conversations. They are elevating other women because of their merits, not because of their immutable characteristics. Nice. Nice. Okay. Thank you for that. All right. We're going to lighten it up a little bit here. I want to know about either the most embarrassing or the funnest thing or the funniest thing that's ever happened to you in cybersecurity. Megan, you're on. It happened during my my professional career. It was before I had transitioned actually directly into the field of cybersecurity, but I was auditing a I was auditing the bank card division of First Citizens in Roanoke, Virginia. And I was 24 years old, was very green internal auditor, and it was my first travel audit. 
I was really tired of the commute there and back every weekend for six weeks. And one of the last weeks that we were there, I decided I was staying over in a nearby town with some friends for the weekend, so I didn't have to do the commute. My friend was late picking me up, so I left my suitcase in the stairwell of the branch that was adjacent to the, the, it was incorporated with the building that we were working in. And the branch following the procedures that I knew well of, or should have known well of at the time, saw an unidentified piece of luggage in their stairwell and called in a bomb threat as they were instructed to do. And the eight eight floor building bank card was evacuated. There was two SWAT teams and many cops and it shut down, shut down Roanoke, Virginia on a Friday afternoon. So I made quite the lasting impression with, with that team. The nickname I gained from that stuck with me for many years at the bank, but it was, it was quite the, the lesson learned in my early days of auditing. <laughs> you didn't tell us the, the nickname you, you, you earned after that. Bomber. Yes. Bomber. Oh, because, because <laughs> bombshell, you know, something like that. That is <laughs> <laughs> did they detonate your luggage? They did not, thankfully. Goodness, thank and goodness. funny enough, none of the the dogs barked at it or thought it was strange. It wasn't, you know, was no one was alerted by it other than the oh, teller. That, that is a great story. Awesome. <laughs> well, what about you, Naomi? What, oh, what? my my story is not nearly as cool. I would say, okay, my first week on the job, a new job, I wanted to dress up for whatever reason, so I was wearing my high heels, stilettos. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. You want to feel pretty, you put on stilettos. They had me go over to the data center. They had me go over to the data center for doing things. I don't remember what it is exactly. Maybe counting SKUs. They had just purchased a new SIM product. So I was there to count SKUs. I walk into the data center and what do you see? The first thing you see in a data center, a raised floor. What are on the raised floors? Little tiny grates. Of course, as I'm walking on across the grates, my stiletto heels get stuck in the grates. So what do I decide to do? I take off my shoes. As I'm walking barefoot across the floor of the data center, I end up slicing my entire foot open on one of the wooden pallets that is holding the skews of which I am counting. I start bleeding across the entire length of the data center floor and I'm trying to find the women's room, which happens to be outside of the secured area. Of course, I did not have access to the secured area. Somebody had to let me in and he had since left. So I had to leave the secured area, go to the bathroom to clean up, found myself had locked out of the secured area, had to call back in that poor guy who happened to be on PCO. Also did not make the best first impression, I would say, at that new job. So that is, yeah, that's it. Oh, man. Well, you didn't have SWAT teams, but you had blood. And core. So I, I didn't get a nickname though. <laughs> oh, God. you didn't get a nickname? No, like, it would probably have been bloody or something. I don't even know. <laughs> bloody Mary, bloody Naomi. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Yeah. So I don't wear stilettos anymore. That's one of the reasons why. There are so many good reasons not to wear stilettos. <laughs> I I have a friend who had a very rude name for those those shoes. And they had to do with how easy women are to tip over. I'm not going to go there, though. Well, th- that's great. God, it's been so much fun getting to know you guys. So, I, of course, the last question I'm going to ask you is the biggest takeaway for listeners, maybe. What advice do you have for women looking to get into the field? Let's let's go to you, Megan. Sure. I I think that when when you're looking, it's easiest to start with where you are. 
I think your, your current organization, wherever that job is, there are likely opportunities where you can proactively start identifying risks, identifying security concerns. And if you're not already a part of those teams, work with those teams to get those addressed. And I think that there's often a lot of people suggest going to look to certifications and taking these tests. And I think that there's there's ways to really gauge your appetite and desire and passion for it without taking such a huge leap and making such a big investment. And I think that often those organic transitions into those types of roles and opportunities can be much more feasible and manageable to actually also ensure that you really want to be in security. <laughs> there, it's, it is for various reasons, which this is a different podcast, but it, it can be challenging to be in security and to have, you know, to stay as persistent as you need to, to be in the field. And I think that a lot of people have this idea that they really want to be in security. And sometimes I think if they were <laughs> in security for a little bit longer or had more of a taste of it, they may not have that same view. So I would say experiment around within your your own role that you're in now within your existing organization and and kind of try to get your your toes in the water, if you will, to to assess your your true desire and go from there. Well, that's really practical advice. So thank you for that. I mean, it can be hyped so much. Careers in cybersecurity, they just seem so exciting. But I think, you know, I talk to people like you and Naomi, and it's like, you sort of just have the raw material from, you know, the get-go from when you were little boppers. So thank you for that great advice. And Naomi, how about you? What advice for women do you have? Well, actually, I'd love to give some advice to the parents of young women, I guess the young girls. So if you are a parent or you're a mentor or a community leader for young women, really encourage them. If they have, they show any interest in technology and robotics and coding in video games, in anything that has anything to do with computers, encourage them. Don't push them away. Don't say this is for boys or anything ridiculous like that. Show them that, yes, you can do this. And if you have interest in it, continue going on my, my daughter and my friend. Like You should always push towards their interests. Don't dissuade them. Don't say, hey, it's only a boy thing because it's simply not true. If the girl has an interest and a passion, get them into the clubs, sign them up for Code Ninjas, whatever it is, give them the summer camp response experience and help them thrive because we do need more women interested in a career in cybersecurity and technology in general. And it really does start when the children are younger. And again, they are very impressionable at that age. And if they're seeing their friends who are saying, oh, this is really cool because you know my big sister and my big brother says it's cool and my dad says it's cool, then they're going to stick with it. And we need more people showing the young girls who are in grade school, middle school, high school, that it's cool and okay for girls to be in STEM. So if you are listening to this and you do have that young daughter or a niece, or you are a community leader, a coach, perhaps really encourage them, give them those opportunities to really pursue that passion because we will notice a change, a marketable change, I'm sorry, a marketed change in the next 10, 20 years. When these girls grow up, they will. we will see an increase in these numbers. It does start at those younger ages. That's awesome. And also teach the boys <laughs> the same lessons so that girls feel welcome when they go into those things. Well, thank you so much, Naomi and Megan, for dropping in to give us your perspective on how you got into this industry and your advice for other women on how they can do the same. It's a really pleasure to have you on. Thank you, Lisa. 
Thanks so much. Thanks also to our listeners for tuning in. Everybody, thank you. Make sure to like, share, or leave us a comment if you've got suggestions for future podcasts or cybersecurity experts you'd love to hear from. You can get in touch with the Code Patrol crew at podcastideas at contrastsecurity.com. Have a great day, stay safe, and we'll look forward to joining you for our next episode of Code Patrol.